everybody, welcome to Take the Black Live, show on myself, Dan Selke, and Cheryl Wassenaar, both of winnerscoming.net, officially. You say that now? It's very exciting. Talk all things Game of Thrones, Song of Fire, Fantasy Fiction, Genre Fiction, whatever comes up. Cheryl, how are you today? I'm good. I am enjoying that it is finally summer in Chicago. I don't know. Are you really? I'm having to wear pants and not shorts, and I'm not kind of liking it. I, I mean, I wear pants pretty much every day, so gotcha. I have no sympathy for you. Sure. Yeah, um, that, that's perfectly fair. But but yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm excited to talk about all of the things we have on today's uh, show. I'm lucky I can wear shorts at all in an office environment. They're, they're, they're very nice here. That's true. You do, you do, you do have a, a, a privilege there. But you know what I mean? Human beings, once we get something, we don't want to give it up. Like, I got a shorts thing, and now even though I'm privileged, like, I consider anything less an invasion <laughs> of um, my sartorial uh, choices. A gross insult yeah, kind to your of. dignity. It's horrible. Like, it's just human nature. I got to squash that. Mm, yeah. Anyway, um, everybody watching, I am sorry. Uh, I can't see your comments. Yeah. Oh, they're going to just being stupid. But if they show up, I will certainly read them. Uh, hello to everybody. I assume Julie's out there. Hey, Julie. And everybody else reading. <laughs> All right. So let's dive in. Game of Thrones, Song for <laughs> Fire, Blood Moon. The Game of Blood Thrones Moon. prequel is ramping up. It is. It, it's happening. I love uh, Blood Moon so much. I'm still hoping that, I mean, we've gone on this before. I'm hoping they change the title. We'll see if they don't. I don't know if they will. Okay, I can see you all. Hey, Lauren. Hey, Julie. Hey, Jordan. Good to see everybody. We solved the problem. Yay. Okay. We did. Well, Blood yeah. Moon. I, I totally solved it. This was all me. Yes, just like I know. Flipping it. I know. Okay. So, Blood Moon. The Game of Thrones prequel is filming in Northern Ireland, and not just in Northern Ireland, by the way. We have some information on that. I like that uh, the star, Naomi Watts, who I love, is at the point where she is being harangued in interviews um, to talk about the Game of Thrones prequel. Um, it happened to everybody else, and now it's her turn to uh, get a load of that. She's dropping some good old-fashioned, uh, what do you call them? Sound bites. Sound bites. There you go. Thank you. Uh, about it. Let's hear what she has to say, shall we? I'm all ears. Okay. Hopefully, those fans come along and get to find something new and interesting in this world as well. I think they won't be let down. It's a great team of people they've put together. And, you know, she says she's intimidated and excited on all that jazz. She also compared Game of Thrones to the world of Shakespeare, which you wrote about in Winter's Coming, I think. I did. Um, we love to go back in history and even fantasy and imagine how society evolves or has not evolved. Not really saying much of uh, that we can really sink our teeth into there. No. But I do, and I hope you enjoyed living in relative anonymity, Naomi Watts. Um, while it lasted. Because it's over now. Yeah, it's over. You're, yeah. you're going to get asked in every single interview you do from now until whenever Blood Moon ends, if it is happy enough to get picked up. And probably after it ends, too. <laughs> you're probably right for the rest of it. I mean, like, I fully expect that whenever, like, Sophie Turner or somebody, like, Sophie Turner, Peter Dinklage, all of these people are probably going to be asked about Game of Thrones. It'll go like, away eventually. Mm, but I mean... I don't know about that, but... Well, I mean, I guess, like, God, Harrison Ford... And Mark Hamill is still asked about Star Wars to this day. See what I'm saying? See what I'm I saying? Do. But we'll we'll see. We'll we'll have okay. our whole lives to figure that out. Oh yes, we do. So enjoy Naomi. Um, I'm glad she seems to like it. Of course, she wouldn't say anything else. Meanwhile, she's gonna say, "Wouldn't it be funny if like a star, you asked a star, what do you think of this upcoming project?" And they're like, "Oh, it's terrible." <laughs> I mean, I feel like you have to have a certain cachet as like an actor to say something along the lines of I'm only in it for the money because I, <laughs> I, I can think of like Orson Welles and the, a couple other actors <laughs> like that. Like I think they've sure. said things to that extent where it's Probably. like I was just in it for the money at the time. 
Um, but like, like after. Yeah, that's like after the fact. That's right. like years after the fact. Unless you're Orson Welles, in which case you just kind of say it whenever. You Remember want. what movie he said that about? I don't know. Uh, I don't know if it was about a movie specifically. Um, Probably the Transformers movie. Might have been. But I I, I want to say it was something like that. Or or he had <laughs> lent his voice to some advertising. Sure. Um, and that was what it came about in relation to. I don't know. It's one of those tidbits that are in, that are in my brain. If Orson Welles voiced Optimus Prime for the passion, I'd be surprised. Yeah. I mean, Alec Guinness was also only in Star Wars for the money. That is much. true. He famously hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see how that happens. I hope, like, in 10 years, one of them, like, like, like unexpected one, like, Liana Mormont. It's like, ugh, worst thing I ever did. <laughs> <laughs> how dare you slander Bella Ramsey's future name like that? Anyway, uh, back to the Blood Moon prequel. Um, okay, so we know it's only Northern Ireland. Yeah. Intriguingly, you know, I mean, not unexpectedly, um, we've learned, thanks to local outlet... Il Messaggero. It is also filming... <laughs> you tried. Uh, <laughs> I tried. Uh, in Italy, we think, at the Grotta del Turco, near the town of Gaeta, a few couple hours southeast of Rome, um, at a really scenic place that uh, I'm just going to, I think, mistranslate. It is called the Sanctuary of the Split Mountain. Now, we have a beautiful image, right? Ooh. pretty cool it's like it's on the coast it's like this giant kind of split um yeah in a mountainside and again it could be it's a very beautiful location and i'm sure it could be used for any number of things i will say um here's a question for you is this show just going to be completely set in caves because i see a giant split in the mountain and i think about uh you know the cave set they built and filming going on at uh, the Marble Arch Caves in Northern Ireland. And I'm like, is the whole show going to be caves? Is it just a cave show? I, I don't know if the whole show is going to be caves. I suspect strongly that the show is going to have a lot to do with caves, uh, <laughs> just based on the filming. Uh, but I think it's interesting that they're using kind of different uh, geological scenery. That's true. I mean, yeah, there are some caves in Game of Thrones, but they're never quite as important or frequent. Yeah. You know, when I think of like these beautiful locations Game of Thrones used, I'm like, I do not think about caves. I think about yeah. Dubrovnik and Croatia. I think about Iceland, like all of that. So I think it's interesting that they're choosing to, at least for the pilot, kind of play up caves. No, I agree with you. I also like that they're going elsewhere. Like, I don't think Game of, I don't think Game of Thrones ever filmed in Italy. No. And it, it tells you that they have something specific in mind, right? That they wanted, oh, that split in this rock is what we have in mind. It's what perfect. We're gonna do. So, yeah, that works fine. Like, yeah. Say. I mean, they, they've definitely been good at picking locations, kind of. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's been consistently excellent. Yes. So, I, 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 I'm not worried at all about um, no. the technical aspects. I'm really not. Um, I mean, I... I, 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 I don't think that we really know enough yet to judge how the actual story is going to be. But I am intrigued there are new people involved. I just hope they're as passionate about it as they need to be to make something of this size and ambition work. I feel like to take on a project like this, you kind of have to necessarily have, at the very least, ambition. Oh, totally. And probably some passion. Like, definitely ambition, passion, yeah, probably too. Because, I mean, if you know, George R. R. Martin's working with you, you have to be, like, willing to go into that 
knowing that he's working with you on the project. By the way, sense. I think when they say George Martin is working with them, I think what they really mean is like George Martin met with them once and maybe they listened to the outline like your little spiel and then said, that sounds pretty good. Let me have my fantasy, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Just let me have it, Dan. Okay, you, you can have it. Thank um, you. I do think, I, I don't think he's actually working on it. Uh, no, I, I think he's definitely he's probably more playing a consultant type, kind of kind of like George Lucas, where it's like, oh, you can do that, you can't do that, that sort of thing. Right. Sure. So, yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Also, um, interestingly, we're getting uh, at the Marble Arch Caves in County Fermanagh, Northern Ireland. Uh, they're putting up the production signs. Now, over the years, we got to know the Game of Thrones production signs. There's little pink things that said GOT, kind of came pretty iconic. Yeah. Um, and I think we have what they're going to use for Blood Moon or whatever it's going to be called, Game of Thrones prequel. It's these big, charmingly orange mammoth signs, which is cute. I'm going to call it the Mammoth Show. Mammoth Moon. Mam- mammoth Moon. <laughs> or Blood Mammoth. Blo- oh, okay. That's <laughs> That might be even worse than Blood Moon. But it, 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 it is... Leaning into the um, pulpiness, which is fine. Absolutely. Blood mammoth. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it is pretty cool. So, I mean, okay. So, caves, mammoths. I'm getting like a whole caveman vibe <laughs> just from the basic stuff that we're picking up. I mean, we're, we're talking about this period of history that is kind of... Fake history. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, that is kind of prehistoric in the sense that it is kind of passed into myth and legend by the time that Game of Thrones rolls around anyway. Right. So I don't think it's necessarily a wrong choice. I just think it's a no. very interesting choice to evoke that very specific look and then also have this kind of be these legendary moments, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally makes sense. Okay, cool. I also like that, um, I mean, look, these big, remember like in, in, in the pilot for Game of Thrones, they did not, they were not able to go to a beautiful split in the rock in Italy to film. No. I mean, I don't know if they're actually going to have mammoths, but it seems like they're leaning into it. Um, the budget is going to be way bigger than it was for Game of Thrones to start. Yes. Um, which could be a great thing. I hope it's not, it doesn't become a crutch, like, right out of the gate. I don't think it will. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, just kind of from the locations they're picking, they're already trying to evoke this different sense, like I was kind of talking about. And I think that the budget can help that, but I don't think that it's going to necessarily precipitate having a ton of effects being done. Right. It, yes. Yeah, That's what fingers. I'm going for. And I think you reported that um, they may be casting for extras already. They might be. Possibly. The extras department, which is Game of Thrones' go-to uh, company for extras throughout a, a large part of its run in Northern Ireland, mm-hmm. posted recently uh, notices for long-haired, clean-shaven guys over 18 and black men over 50. Which, you know... We actually don't know what we they're for. We actually don't know. But we're going to just be irresponsible and just guess. It's definitely for Blood Moon, for Blood Mammoth. Absolutely. Uh, um, the reason that I think it's very suspicious is because other postings that the extras department put up on their Facebook page around the same time would be like, this is for a film. This is for this thing that's happening this time and day. And these were a little more kind of suspicious in their wording. So I don't, again, it could be something completely different. But it seems, just based on the fact that they want long-haired dudes, like... Long-haired, clean-shaven, though, is interesting. Like, yeah. beards are a thing, especially in, like... Uh, beards are a thing. On Game of Thrones. But they don't have to be a thing. They don't have to be. 
So I think I think it's definitely something to keep an eye on, especially because we know the pilot is in like full swing, you know, going yeah, to the Marvel proper Arch. full swing. Yeah, like they are doing it right now. Like you know, going to the Marble Arch and then picking up in Italy, like that's bonkers. And uh, the Black Man Over Fifty thing. I mean, I, I have read that part of this is going to be set that it, it's going to be kind of Game of Thrones like, which is a yes. good and a bad thing. That it will span Westeros and Essos. Yeah. You would think they might. You know, we were talking about in Wit Club about uh, some of the other cultures that they don't really touch on. They're just on the margins. Mm-hmm. Something like Sothorios or Essos or even Yeeti. Or like, there are lots of different cultures in this world. And it seems like they're going to make more of an effort to diversify a bit. I mean, if we look at the main cast members that are already announced, that's already true. Yes. So... That call, call also makes some sense to me yeah. as a call from Blood Moon Extras. Definitely, definitely an eyebrow raiser. I'm not prepared to say what it's about, but I know it's something. Before we uh, move on beyond the wall, yes. just some quick little announcements, just in case some quick news hits. Uh, Game of Thrones, complete series box set, coming out December 3rd. Christmas list right there, guys. Oh, that is. That's, of course it is. That's, that, 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 that's why they're doing that. Very well-timed. Mm-hmm. And also, intriguingly, did you know, Cheryl, that... Uh, there's been some data flying around from app analytics company Sensor Tower via Variety that we were all Fancy. wondering if people were going to cancel their HBO subscriptions after Game of Thrones ended. Um, ends up, not really. Uh, the people who signed up for HBO now, right before season eight, so we're assuming to watch Game of Thrones, like 84% of them are still holding on. Which I think it's pretty good. I mean, big little lies. Like... <laughs> I mean, I mean, HBO is very, you know, it, yeah. it has other stuff. It's got Chernobyl, which is a hit. It's got the Big Little Lies. It's Predator Watchmen, Historic Materials. Right. It's followed up. But the point is, um, it. I'm going to guess there's not going to be the apocalypse some feared. Yeah. I, I think worries about that were a little overblown, mm-hmm. just in the sense that, like you said, HBO has a ton of different stuff that it offers besides Game of Thrones. And especially with the follow-up of Big Little Lies, like, a couple weeks after. It's a good one-two punch, yeah. Game, yeah, like, come on. Big Little <laughs> Lies is pretty good. And they have Meryl Streep. Meryl freaking Streep. Like, I mean, that's enough to keep an HBO subscription for me. But I think you're right. But, yeah. I actually have never watched it. Is it good? The first season's really good. Second I watched, season? I, I, I'm a little behind on the second season. Uh, but I like it still. Um, I watched, like, the first season. Like, I binge-watched it. I think the weekend that season two premiered, I think I binge watched it in an entire day because it's only seven episodes. Wow. Okay, cool. Because I'm not one of those people that can really moderate. <laughs> like when I'm in it, I'm going. So. I think Laura Dern would make an excellent um, kind of angular statuesque queen in Westeros of some kind. I would love to see Laura Dern get her fantasy chops on because... She would be good. Because Admiral Haldo got robbed in the oh, last Oh yeah, Jedi. she was Admiral Haldo, wasn't she? Yeah. She was the best part of that movie. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> she did like that. That's one thing I mostly remember, the thing where she like blasted through the... Mm-hmm. That, was, that was the mm-hmm. best part. And she also had purple hair. It was great. Purple hair, yes. Can't go out with purple hair. No. Anyway, so that's what happened in the world of Game of Thrones. You know, it's over. You, you knew that. Um, but the prequel's coming, yes. and uh, the fallout continues, and Liz looking okay. I think, uh, I think it's a good chance the prequel of being delightful will sweat. I have to wait and see. But there's more than Game of Thrones on the horizon. Um, one so of the, pro- probably the biggest other genre show that's being prepped. I would probably say the biggest, and tell me if you'd agree with me, is Amazon's uh, Lord of the Rings show. Yes. That it's, 
you know, famously bought for bought the rights, just the rights alone, for two hundred fifty million dollars. Um, another two hundred fifty to make the first two seasons. It's gone through some kind of behind the scenes changes since we checked in on it. I want to ask a question, Cheryl. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw some threads that kind of cataloging how it had. Oh, and by the way, Julie loves Big Little Lies. I can I can see the comments now, which is great. <laughs> Maybe we find out what Westeros was before Arya. Oh, that'd be fun. Julia suggests uh, that w- w- we could find out what's West or Westeros before Arya does, which would be very cool. Yeah. And Houston says that he's in that 84%. So am I. <laughs> Lovely. Anyway, Amazon's Lord of the Rings show. Yes. So I wanted to ask a question. Is it already doomed? Wow. We're going, we're just going right for its neck at this point, huh? Okay. Let me uh, okay. Give, okay. Give, give, give my little reasons. G- give me your case. Okay. I will listen. So basically, I saw a thread, I think it was from the, the OneRing.net, which covers, you know, uh, Lord of the Rings, about all the kind of the timeline of what had happened. And when I saw it all laid out, I was like, oh, that sounds like a troubled production. Ooh. And let's just uh, Words hear you don't want to hear. So Amazon spent $250 million for the TV rights, $250 million to make the first two seasons. And who knows how much after that, the kind of watchword is it'll be about a billion for the first five seasons, which, it, which it's committed to. It's committed to five seasons and a spinoff for this kind of nebulous Lord of the Ringsy show. Um, and the contract that it signed provided oh that God. it had to begin shooting within two years. So that means they made a billion-dollar commitment, and they had to shoot something within two years without really having a solid idea or really, like, having anybody in the driver's seat when they made the purchase. Like, you know, I think that's a huge investment without a strong direction to, like, right out the gate uh, could spell some trouble. For those who are listening on our podcast, as Dan has been describing this to me, my mouth has just been open. Like, yeah, like, wide O of, full, full oh my God. Anyway, please continue. Um, you know, that there was no producer, showrunners, or actors attached when they bought it. Eventually, it hired J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay, who were, you know, two fairly untested young writers. And they worked on one of the Star Trek movies. I forget which one. But in, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. But, no. you know, they, they, they did get people in the, in the chair first. At first, we heard there were these rumors that there's going to be about a young Aragorn of Denethor. Yeah, Denethorn. we did. Denethor. No, no, I didn't. Denethor? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Sorry. It's okay. Um, that fell through. It's eventually, we're pretty sure now it's about the second age of Middle-earth. They released a map to that effect when Sauron was a-making those rings. Uh, after that, we had Sharon Talguado, the head of the genre drama department, who kind of spearheaded the show. She left, and finally they brought in Brian Cogman, Game of Thrones writer Brian Cogman, to onto the writing staff not that long ago. And it's filming now, as far as I know, or at least very, very soon, because they had to. If they didn't, it, it, yeah. like, like, the rights would revert. Right. Um, and I just started to think, like, these are all sort of signs of a um, production that's not going, you smoothly. know, as smoothly as you would hope, yeah. Yeah. which doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be bad. No. But, you know, sometimes you see red flags, and then you uh, yeah. get nervous. Yeah, I think... Getting nervous, at the, or at the very least, kind of wary of what's going on here, I, I think is mm, 
the smart approach because that's that's a lot of questionable choices being made. Um, especially one one billion dollars. Like, I mean, look, I know for five seasons of TV. I know Amazon has more money than any corporation will ever need. Oh, a billion is like a beast thing to them. I know. But like, that's just bonkers. Like that boggles the mind because like for multiple reasons, not the least of which is, you know, I feel like the reception, a lot of the reception to the idea that Amazon was going to take on this property was like, but we just had the movies like 10 years ago. I feel like you're right. And so there's already this kind of resistance. I know it was more than 10 years ago, but like, what is time but a construct anyway? Living memory. Yeah. Like living, I recall them. Living memory. That's a good, that's a good, yeah, I recall them too. So, um, and I am but a wee babe, so. <laughs> but yes. And, and so to then hear that they like, there is, if there is a plan, we sure don't know about it is also concerning and suspect. I mean, I think they have a plan now. I think it just, they didn't have one they started. And just, you know, it, it feels like to me, if you were going to spend a billion dollars on rights and a commitment, like you could negotiate, look, let us take a couple of years to come up with something like really, really solid. Yeah. Not have to shoot like immediately. Yeah. But again, this is all speculation. Maybe it'll be beautiful. Maybe it will be. Like, I mean, goodness knows, they're spending this kind of money. They probably can't make it really pretty. Um, but it's but it's like you know, I I think and we've kind of talked about this before, this rush to kind of make the next Game of Thrones. Right. And meaning that in the sense of the next big fantasy high budget blockbuster, blockbuster you know, genre defining piece of work. And I think, and I've made this argument before too, is like, I don't think the next Game of Thrones is actually going to be a fantasy show. And, and right. so I think they've kind of bought into, they've bought into this arms race, but they, it's kind of like they're bringing a knife to a gunfight. If you follow me on that one. Um, basically, like they're picking. That's an expensive knife. It is a very expensive knife. It's got all kinds of filigree. Like there's all kinds <laughs> of stuff going on with it. But like they're they're kind of choosing this old there weapon yeah, yeah. instead of the newer. So I, hear I made sense of it. It, <laughs> it took me a second, but I I'll got admit, there. I didn't get it at first, but then you get. But, but then I got there. Yeah, it's it was a journey. It was a process, and we we did it together, and yes. it's great. Um, but yeah, I, I think that this is kind of I'm not going to say like it's a dumb move by Amazon because the show doesn't exist yet, but like it just seems a little strange. To me, it's a bit like how everyone tried to make their own cinematic universes after Marvel, and like most of them do not exist anymore. That's, did you know there's going to be a Mist cinematic universe? I learned that today. Oh boy! Remember Mist? That game you clicked. Yeah, I remember Mist. <laughs> oh boy! But yeah, like this this sense that everything needs to be a cinematic universe is mostly kind of blown up in movie studios' faces, with the ex- weird exception of The Conjuring, which still mm. makes money. Um, I think DC is like doing okay. Once it abandoned the concept that all the movies have to make sense together. Sure. Like conceptually Aquaman is like way different from Wonder Woman. And like, um, so yeah, like DC has kind of had to retool its focus a little bit. And so we'll see where that ends up going. Yeah, I think think that's a good point. Yeah. 
that's a good point of comparison. That I mm-hmm. mean, like, the only one who's really pulled off Cinematic Universe has been Marvel. Like, really, really pulled it off. And so it might follow. The only one who can really, really pull up epic fantasy is going to be Game of Thrones. Like, it's not something you replicate. Yeah. Although, I, I think people are more excited for Wheel of Time than they are Lord of the Rings show, weirdly. Just because maybe, you know, it's never been on screen before. This I, is I true. get that sense. I feel like there's hype for that. Mm-hmm. And they just cast somebody, Rosamund Pike, who's a very good actress. I love Rosamund Pike. So. I got to read Wheel of Time. <laughs> Me too. But I love Rosamund Pike. But before we, you, before we uh, let you go, did you know that Russell Crowe's off with the part of Aragorn? I mean, I could see it. This was like right after. Like post Gladiator? Yeah, I was about to say, this is like right post Gladiator. So, yeah. That yeah. makes sense. But I, I can't see him. Well, no. We can't <laughs> see him because, you know, yeah, I can't see Viggo Mortensen now. Apparently, it was a funny story. Mm-hmm. I forget which talk show he was on. He said that, like, the studio brought him in because I think they wanted him, but Peter Jackson clearly didn't. <laughs> So he was like, okay, I feel like you're being forced to look at me. I'm just going to go. <laughs> good on you, Peter Jackson, making it obvious. And good on Russell Crowe for, for like knowing re- reading the room. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we'll see. Well, we will see. Like, that's, that's all I have to say about a lot of this crop of fantasy shows is we will see. I want them to start coming out. Um, yeah. I think like the, the, the end of this year, they are. Like the end of Witcher, this year, we're yeah. going to say like Witcher is going to come out. Yeah, that kind of thing. Because materials is already almost out. Mm-hmm. We already got a trailer for that stuff. So yeah, I'm looking forward to, to get into the actual next crop. <laughs> the yes. post-Game of Thrones harvest yes. of uh, genre we'll shows. See. Big expensive ones. We will see what happens. All right. And by the way, uh, Mer- Julie Davies says, Meryl Streep is so good. She's driving me nuts. I wish she would leave Madeline alone. Please. I know. <laughs> that, that speech about short people, like... I'm not short, and I felt judged. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. I should really watch this. Yes, you do. Ahmed has hopes for our Amazon L2R, and Julie says that LTR is huge, has such a huge fan base. It will have a lot of support at the start. They'll just need to make sure people will want to stay with it, and we'll see if they can. That's the thing. But right. Have any yeah. other thoughts, Cheryl? No, we... I'm about set to summon Josh Hill for A Song of Dan and Josh. All right. Then um, I will talk into the camera as slowly Josh Hill makes his way over here. For our next segment, A Song of Dan and Josh, where myself and fan-sided zone, Joshua Elizabeth Hill, talk about all things A Song of Ice and Fire. I've read the books multiple times by George R. R. Martin. Josh has never read them. We're going to go through every chapter, break them down, talk about them, and see what shakes out. Josh, how you doing? Hello. How's it going, Selkie? Hello, everybody. <laughs> Julie's out there, and who else is out there? Now that the comments uh, are working. We got Ahmed. We got Corinne. We got Josephine. We got Lauren. We got uh, Ramses. We got welcome, Patty. welcome, everybody. everybody. We got Houston. Look at all these readers that are sticking around. Yeah. They say that books are dying. <laughs> They're not. <laughs> yes. We're making it cool, Selkie. We are single-handedly <laughs> reviving uh, the uh, literary... Reading. Community is What's your rallied around name, us. By the way, middle actual middle name David. Yeah. Okay, David. I call close you. on the Elizabeth. Yeah, it's short for it. And Julie says yeah. hi, and so Hello. does Josephine. Right. Hello, Josephine. Okay, so uh, we're still on a Clash of Kings. Still we about are. like a thirdish, yeah, a fourthish in, <laughs> and we have read Brand Two. We did at Winterfell. Hodor. Brand the Broken. Hodor. Hodor makes a prominent appearance here. Okay, what are your first questions this one, Josh? Uh, it was kind of talky like the last one. Definitely talky. So, and I was also, I didn't know that Bran had so much sway. Like Bran, the, the idea that Bran is 
this is from his perspective. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of big decisions being made, like Ramsey Bolton, Ruth yeah, Bolton he comes up. are mentioned here. So I don't know, because I thought he was even younger than he was on the show. So the fact he that he's involved in this at all is kind of surprising to me. Well, but. I mean, this is, again, I, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll get political for a second. This is, this, is what, this is what's so fascinating and what's so ridiculous about this society. Mm-hmm. Like, I think um, Maester Eamon says, like, Bran, your brother's gone. Your father's dead. Yeah. Your little brother is, like, three. He's not going to do anything. Mm-mm. Your sisters are gone. You are the oldest male Stark in Winterfell. You're the Stark in Winterfell. <laughs> And in this world, under this system, that means you have actual authority, which is horrible. That was mind-boggling. And it shouldn't happen, <laughs> but it does. Like, and that, that, that's, that's in our world, too. There was a period of history where we gave power to children just because they were the oldest males and they had to have it. Yeah. And this is it. I mean, it, it's interesting because we think of it as like, oh, it's romantic. You know, we, we like the Starks, and they're cool, mm. and they have this, but... I didn't like this. This was weird to me. I was like, I should, a yeah? child should not be having these, this kind of power. I mean, I'm to sorry. be fair, so, like, like, the chapter is basically Bran hearing petitioners at Winterfell. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah. the, the job of a lord in medieval times is you sit in a chair or a throne, if you're lucky and you're a king or a queen, and people come before you, and they complain, and they tell you their problems, and you have to say, okay, do this. Mm-hmm. You know, the old trick of, like, someone goes up and cut the baby in half, like, what do we do with this baby and the king? That, that's the king's decision. That, that's what Bran basically is doing. Yeah. He's hearing people, and then he's deciding what to do about their problems. To be fair, he's not really doing it. I mean, yeah. he's sitting there, but Maester Raymond, not Maester Raymond, Maester, um, oh boy, Lewin. Thank God Lewin. I got that. Maester Lewin and uh, Roderick Cassell are kind of actually making the calls, and mm-hmm. he's kind of being there to hear and listen and to learn. But, I mean, look, if he wanted to, he could say off with his head and like they they might not do it but like they, they would ha- they might <laughs> i don't know and he is 8 years old as karen reminds us how would you like to live in a um a state where an 8 year old is was 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 the governor yeah i mean I'm going to refrain from being political like I usually am and relating it to current times. Yeah, maybe you should. Since I love him, but you love that Selkie. <laughs> I mean, we can't. This is where the Wood Club. We can do whatever we want. Yeah, it's true. Oh, just go toss. Say what you mean, Dad. Nah, we all know what I mean. We elected that one. That's very true. This would true. just be if it was a governor of Illinois. It was just a eh, Pritzker. Uh, it was just an eight-year-old who was the son of the last governor. Yeah. I, I, I'd be uncomfortable. I would be, too. How good a job does Bran do at his uh, lordliness? I mean, doesn't he thing? throw his weight behind Ramsey Bolton? No. A um, little bit. To me, the most interesting part of this chapter is the petitioner who comes, who is... Oh, God, what's her name? Um, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Um, can you remember her name? I can't, no. Fine. Oh, I got Hornwood? it. Hornwood? Uh, Hornwood, yes. yes. Lady Hornwood. Hornwood. Thank God. All right, yeah. So, okay. Lady Hornwood, who is a widow, yep. Lord Hornwood died. Father and son both died. Yes, in the some war or another. Um, she's a widow. She has no children. She technically now owns the Hornwood lands of the north. And mm-hmm. this, again, because of this system, that's a big problem. Yeah. Because um, a woman owning lands alone, this is an invitation for, for other northern lords who are either kind of trying to, like, marry her and just, like, we can take over. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think the giant fat guy, Lord Woman Manderley, is mm. like, you know, I need a wife, and she's very beautiful for her age. Or if you're Ramsay Bolton, you're sniffing around being like, maybe I'll just invade you. 
and just um, yeah. take over your lands that way. It's a precarious position um, that only really happens as a result of the stupid society they have. Yeah. Like, you know, if there was, if, if it were today and a, like a man had a deed on a house and then he's married and he dies and the deed goes to the wife and the kids die. Like, you know, that, 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 that's fine. Mm-hmm. Like she owns the house. Yeah. And even if she died, it would like revert to the state or whatever. But here, everything is so uncertain in terms of who has the power that there's a real danger that there could be civil war or inter-North civil war here. Mm-hmm. Like, that this place is vulnerable. Someone might try and, at best, like, force themselves into a marriage with this woman. Mm-hmm. Or, at worst, be Ramsey Snow and just take it over. Is this and, George R. R. Martin's commentary on this kind of thing, where he's literally putting a child in charge of coming up with these decisions? Or overseeing... The conversation, an actual child is trying to determine the best thing to do. I don't think so. I, I mean, personally, just kn- knowing what I know about George R. Martin, I think he is trying to replicate or at least be inspired by history. Like, this mm. sort of crap happened. Yeah. Like, again, it's a problem when you have just inherit or goes to the eldest male problem. Yeah. Sometimes a father will die, and sometimes his oldest son will be six. And it just, that's just the way it happens. Like, this kind of problem cropped up. So, that, so my take is I don't think he's trying to make a comment. I oh. think he's just trying to um, reflect what real-life history would have been like. In real-life history, real-life history is messed up. Stupid things happen in history. Yeah, they do. We had to, we had to get a wild up here. Anyway, <laughs> Brand's, uh, his, I think Brand's suggestion is... Um, the lady's husband has a bastard son, mm-hmm. I think, with the Glovers. I'm sorry if I'm getting the names wrong or the who has who. Um, his idea is maybe he could inherit. He could be legitimized. She wouldn't like that, but it's one solution. Yeah. So, like, politics in this world, who she marries or who she inherits is a serious political question. Mm-hmm. You know, like, as serious as should we... Who should we tax is in this world. Like these are actual questions of state to be decided. It's just just strange and interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, this isn't the first time that George R. R. Martin has drawn from history to to do these things. Every day, all day. Yeah. This was, I mean, I'm trying to think of like child leaders that I can remember outside of like the last emperor or whatever. That's what I was thinking too. Like King Tut. Wasn't King Tut like? Yeah. He was a kid. Very young, like a child. So, but. No, I mean, this is, yeah, George R. R. Martin just drawn on history. I mean, Joffrey is a, a kid leader, too. Only unlike Bran, he's a little psycho, so he's being terrible at it. That's true, yeah. I don't know yeah. why I never did. Tommen is a little kid. Tommen. Huh. This thing is full of kids. <laughs> I mean, again, it's war, too. When, when there's a war, you know who's going to die? The older people. <laughs> you know who's going to be left? The kids. And in a system where you pass rulership down to your kids, guess who gets the power? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that's kind of the commentary on the politics of the time and just, not even politics, like power, like how, where we choose to put power here. Okay, otherwise, we kind of have Bran, you know, he's conflicted as usual. He's Mm -hmm. he's still not out of this phase where he, God, I wish I could use my legs and didn't have to not be a kid who can't use his legs. I wish I could be a knight, not a lord. Yes. When that happens, but... He wants to be a knight or a squire so badly that his stomach hurt from the wanting. 
but he has to hear petitioners because uh, being a fire is out of the question and because he robs her. So basically he's desire versus duty is what his deal is mm-hmm. now. He also has a moment where he has to walk through the courtyard in on a basket on Hodor's right. back. They've made all this kind of accommodations for him. They like outfitted his room with bars. We could like <laughs> pull himself over the place. It's like with the, uh, what's the thing that they put on the stairs where you can just do your little, it is your electronic scooter up the wall or whatever it is. Your Hodor seat. is totally one of those, a medieval version of whatever those are called. The stair. It's not a stairmaster. That's a no, um, brand can't use a stairmaster. Maybe it's like an elevator. No, that's already a thing. I don't know. It's, it's one of those. Something. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, Richard, put the image of that in. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> but yeah, Hodor's one of those. They yeah. talk about, again, like how Hodor had to get used to him. Like mm-hmm. he, <laughs> Hodor was excited to go to the kitchens one time when he just ran and forgot where on his bag and hit his head in the door frame, which is just a problem that we don't have to have with our modern escalator thingies. Um, the sight of Bran in his basket drew stares from those who had not seen it before. Also, there's some very savage anti-Hodor. Yeah. Sentiments felt by the Frey children. Yeah, here. these little Frey, uh, Frey freaks are really just, yeah, yeah, I hate them. yeah. That was because the you, you read that or like you see it on shows, and there's just certain things that are so visceral that they make your stomach twist with like rage. I'm just like that it made me mad. Like again, George R. R. Martin's the fantastic writer, so he doesn't need me to compliment him. But that was another example where there are these moments in the book that it's just so visceral that you're like, oh. God, yeah, those who insults freaking Hodor? kids! Like God. Yeah, they're saying like, oh yeah, he. They're talking to, about Hoarder. Like he, he's not as smart. He like they're calling him Brand's horse. Mm-hmm. Like oh, he's not as smart as a horse. That's for certain. Yeah, they're the worst. Yeah, they're horrible. And Hoarder doesn't know. Like Hoarder's just you know he's no Brand knows. He's too, yeah, Brand knows. But Hoarder's just like Hodor? He's kind of he's he's going with it. Go Hodor. And by the way, people uh, from the comments are helping us out here. Ooh. Uh, Louise says that Henry VIII, son of Edward the Sixth, became a king when he was nine. Okay, that's okay. All the time in history, says Corinne. So yeah, that thing totally happened. Oh yeah. Henry the Henry the Henry the Eighth, like the Henry the Eighth. Henry the Eighth. He was Kim when he was that young. Elizabeth's dad. Good for him. Okay. What's the song? I am Henry the Eighth. I am Henry the Eighth. I am. I am. Yeah. Uh, and he had like six wives, and he killed five of them. That's true. Good guy. Um. Anyway, they also had a bit. I thought we might look at. Um. There's an interesting bit where they talk about. Uh, so Winterfell has all these new guests. Yes. Lord Robert Manderley, who is too fat to sit a horse, is his kind of thing. Yeah. Lady Hornwood comes. So there's new people in the castle milling about. Mm-hmm. And uh, really quickly, I thought we'd talk for just a second about heraldry, just a second, <laughs> and uh, sigils. Because yes. they talk about them a lot in these books. Everyone has one. We got the Targaryen we sigil. Got a couple over here. We got the Lannister sigil, the lion. We got the Stark direwolf. We have, in this case, uh, the fray, if you're wondering, is the Twin Towers. Mm. Because, you know, that's their whole thing over the twins. Um, and the Walders quarter their shields with surcoats and sigils from four different different houses. Like, they're all their grandparents. Yeah. So, they talk so much about it. I thought we'd look at a, an example. Because Ooh. this does happen. This is the uh, coat of arms of Leonor, the princess of Asturias, the current... 13-year-old heir to the throne of Spain. Interesting. So this is a quartered uh, herald? I don't know. It's heraldry. (laughs) This is, uh, I don't know all the terms. This is Leonor's, Princess of Spain's sigil. You got, Mm. I don't know what those houses are from, 
but four different houses, all quartered, and that's what quartering means. Like, you know, you can probably figure that out. Oh, with the crown on top. So that's what we're talking about. Whenever okay. George R. Martin makes reference to his sigil bore this crap on this field, mm-hmm. or his shield bore the white bat of whatever the hell, mm-hmm. they're talking about something like this. Which, again, is more important back then than it is now, but because what we're talking about. Yeah. That, that this is a world where um, they operate under a system where, you know, the, if the oldest male has power, they pass it down to their kids, and that's where power is. Like, yes. no one else has it. You can't get elected to get up. You can't, no. I, I guess you you're can. You're born into it. You're like, born into yeah. it. And so you have to mark yourself. You have to mark your territory, and that's how you do it, with those stupid symbols and everything. But you no. put them on your shields, you put them on your helmets, you put them on your surcoats, which yeah. I'm sure is a medieval it's war like they'll a, stick it eventually. It's like a gang tattoo. It the is exactly like a gang tattoo. tattoo. It really is. Yeah. Only it's like, basically, Westeros is ruled by gangs. Yeah. This is all just one big gang war <laughs> before we um, standardize things. The gangland of Westeros, with the modernization of the gangland. I mean... They've always existed. Like the modern, What do you mean? Gangs? Gangs, gangs have always been around. <laughs> yes, gangs have always been around. I mean, I think it, it, there's a really good argument that, I mean, that not just a song of ice and fire factions but medieval times in general is gang warfare yeah i mean i guess they are can tribal you be, can you be a gang if you like up levy taxes on people uh, i mean when does it get into the tribalism of it because there's sure gangs and then there's tribalism and then i mean we're splitting hairs i think at that point sure but yeah good analogy i'll just leave it at that yeah you had to bring taxation into it. Thanks a lot, <laughs> Well, I mean, it's different. <laughs> yeah, you're way, not wrong. Yeah, you're right. And Louise has an update. Uh, yes, his son Edward became king at the age of nine and died at 12. Oh, short reign. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Henry VIII's son Edward VI was a king at nine. Oh. He died. He doesn't have a song. What's that? No. Edward VI? I bet he does. I'm Edward There's a lot of folk songs out there. That, yeah, it doesn't... I don't know. It doesn't really I'll rhyme. I'll them up. Maybe. Well, there are we'll other see. songs. I guess. Jesus Christ, I guess. <laughs> Not for Edward VI. <laughs> I'm gonna go find a folks on my over the six. I bet I, I bet one exists. I would hope so. Like if I had, if I only lived my peak from like nine to twelve. I mean, he ruled as a king. But then, like I died, that was it. <laughs> I had like a three-year run. That's, that's all. <laughs> like I would run. certainly like a song written about me. The very least. What other legacy is he leaving behind? I mean, it's got to be a song. I mean, when you're a king, you're a king. It's true. Like, the minstrels know. will sing. You'll right? be in the history books somewhere. Eh, I suppose. Exactly. Anyway, the final thing that happens in this chapter. I mean, again, like, not a huge moving and shaking chapter, but, like, this is, like, the meat of a lot of these books, mm. is the decision-making, is the talking, mm. is the, this is how we negotiate power in this world. I, th- I don't think it's a huge, hugely, it is kind of important, because we get, like, Ramsey oh, yeah. Bolton mention, and already we're talking about uh, the boy is a sly creature by all accounts, and he has a servant who is almost as cruel as he is. Reek, they call the man. Mm-hmm. He said he never bathes. They hunt together the bastard in this reek and not for deer. I've heard tales. He was like, I can scarce believe even of a Bolton. So they're setting him up mm-hmm. to be a very, very bad man. And by the way, reek already exists. Not a surprise to you? Uh, yeah, I assume that reek was just like a title that was given it to kind of whatever, is, yeah. whoever Ramsey's minion is. Yeah. In, in the books it is. In the show, he just kind of ahas and names Theon reek. But in yeah. the books, there is a reek. And spoiler alert, he dies. And then Theon, like, hey, you know what you can do? You can take his place. Your new reek. Exactly. And at the very end of the chapter, um, I think Roderick Cassell, oh no, Clay Kerwin brings up Jamie. Clay Kerwin, you don't got to remember that name. No. I don't think it comes up much. No. 
there are thousands of characters here. Remember every single one. <laughs> you, you're keeping a spreadsheet, right? Oh, I have been. I've color-coded it and everything. <laughs> and just the end of it is Bran hears Jamie's name where the Kingslayer has like kind of a panic attack. Mm-hmm. He's not sure why. PTSD. It totally is PTSD, I think. Mm-hmm. That, that's how it plays to me. But he just hears it and then like the world kind of goes loud and blank and bright. Mm-hmm. And this chapter just ends. He doesn't remember, though. Well, kind of something down end. there. It's been it's repressed. So. Yeah. But again, it's interesting because that never does become a giant plot point. No. Um, no, I mean, you've, you've seen the show now. You know. Well, it yeah, it's true. Um, but we did get that fantastic meme. That was yes. the conclusion of all of that. <laughs> it it kind of was, yeah. Bran dead-eyed staring at Jamie. Do you think it should have come to, like, um, a confrontation or something? Like, how so? Between Jamie and Bran? Yeah, or, or, like, I don't know, had some bigger effect on the story. I mean, I would think so. Something so significant, mm-hmm. or seemingly significant. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I don't think the fact that it doesn't, like, re, like lead to, like, a battle to the death or something make it not significant. I, I kind of no, like it's the like, fact that... No, it's the thorn that's kind of there where you're like, is something going to happen? It's keeping yeah. you on your toes. Yeah. Is ultimately, it, there's never really a payoff to it. So... I mean, the pay, yeah, I, I guess... Under I mean, at least not payoff. a cathartic payoff that yeah. you would be expecting from something like, oh, right. this happened so early on in the story and it's been Golf kind Silverberg. of a thing, but not a super big thing the entire time. You'd think there would be some kind of payoff there. I like the fact that... Um, but I mean, that, 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 that there's so much to the series that mm-hmm. like it's kind of the inciting event, but it quickly yeah. like snowballs in this much much bigger thing. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, it's it's like the conflict where you fight with somebody and then you just fight for so long. Like, what started this again? Mm-hmm. I don't care. Just keep fighting. Yeah. Like that kind of thing. Well, it is kind of like the red pill blue pill moment in the Matrix, where it's that's what does he take? He takes a red pill, right? Yeah. I don't where he wakes that. up. That's kind of like the, your red pill moment from The Matrix where that's, it's not necessarily the entire story or the purpose of the entire story, mm-hmm. but it opens up a whole can of worms. And Aww. then you dive deeper down the rabbit hole of just how crazy everything is in Westeros. So. All right. Any other thoughts, Josh, before we get to Tyrion 3 next week? Tyrion 3. Talky Tyrion. More Tyrion stuff. I think last chapter's Tyrion chapter, next Tyrion chapter. There's a lot of Tyrion in this book. Ooh, I like it. I'm a yeah. big fan. More Tyrion. All right. We'll see you next week for Tyrion 3 here on Take the Black Live at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time at the Winter Spring Facebook page. Thanks for watching, everybody. See you next week.